0: Welcome to the Chapman CG podcast, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world.
1: Hi, I'm with Oscar Fuchs, who is the uh, director of our Japan, Korea and Taiwan HR practice. Oscar, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. I wanted to ask you a few questions about the Japan HR market. It's obviously a very busy market for Chapman CG. Um, Tell us about some of the key HR trends you're seeing there at the moment.
0: Well, like everywhere else in Asia and internationally, Japan's gone through um, a bit of a transformation in what's important in HR. Starting back when you know it was a personnel function, then moving towards the more employee relations function. These days, it's trying to keep up with the global trend of being more talent focused. Um, with Japan, it's had a specific background in sort of um, lifetime employment, but also recognizing someone 's duration of their um, employment as opposed to their um, their talent um, and their results, so in the last sort of five years we've we 've seen a general move towards a performance based hr culture
1: and uh, how have you seen japan uh, folded under the global hr function
0: yeah Japan has been um, historically treated with kid gloves by many um, multinationals, so it was made into its own region for many years um, and that 's understandable because it's such a huge domestic market um, and it really um, can give companies a lot of profit, which um, is sort of in the same range as the bigger regions elsewhere in the world. What we're seeing recently is um, the the Japanese economy hasn't been quite as buoyant as it used to be. At the same time, the currency um, fluctuations with Abenomics, that's only in recent times, but but even before then, um, the currency was um, being devalued. So Actually, the profit making is not as strong as in other markets. Specifically in Asia, you look at China and India. So what that means from the Japan perspective is it's now not being sort of left alone as its own region. It's increasingly being brought into um, the regional matrix. Um, So for many companies, that that means Asia-Pacific. And that's had an interesting sort of knock-on effect to what is needed in HR. There's a lot less um, sort of command and control style
1: leadership needed, and now a lot more collaboration needed across those borders. It's a fascinating point that, and um, a real transformation. How are Japanese HR leaders coping with that?
0: Some are doing okay,
1: and others are not. And we kind of have a gap in the Japan
0: HR leadership market. Um, now, I'm very passionate about filling this gap. I, I like to, um, you know, really consult and, in some ways, mentor my HR sort of community in Japan, um, because they almost are a victim of their own success. If you know what I mean. Um, you know, they've been left alone. Um, and in some respects, for too long. So that now that they're in this new world of collaboration, um, some are not coping as well as, you know, other markets where they've had already a generation of, you know, where they're being used to working with a with regional structure. Generally, what we're seeing is companies that expose the HR team to overseas earlier in their careers tend to build stronger HR talent than those that still have a traditional structure where... It's only the head of HR that has the interface with the outside world. What we're seeing is, you know, where people have grown up being protected by the Japan HR leader, they don't necessarily pick up the right skills in in knowing how to to work um, with the ambiguity, really, of of working between Japan and and, and the regional structure. So that's the biggest change that I think we're seeing.
1: And how's that playing out with mobility, or at least interest in mobility amongst the Japanese HR fraternity?
0: It's, again, slightly behind, and I mean, for reasonable reasons, really, because Japan has a very high standard of living. It's also, um, you know, quite a unique place, Japan. It's, it's not as sort of international as you see in other sort of regional hubs like Singapore, Shanghai, Hong Kong. Um, you know, Japan is, is very much uh, its own, you know, specific culture. So people haven't really to to think about the international career, particularly because, as I mentioned before, you can have quite a, a long career path just within Japan, and also conversely, you know, in the past, um, people who are good in Japan, um, you know, multinationals like to keep them there because, you know, if if you're good in a market like Japan, you can really help to to um, to get a, a profitable business. Um, so I guess they haven't been motivated to move Japanese outside either. And of course, with salaries in Japanese yen being quite expensive, it hasn't been very economical to put Japanese talent, HR or otherwise, on international career paths. We're seeing that change. So, you know, a lot of um, regional and global leaders understand um, what I mentioned before about the fact that, you know, the Japanese need to understand the new way of working within the gray areas of the regional matrix. So we are seeing now more companies try and get h r talent um, from Japan into other places overseas for a year for two years and then either move them on internationally so that Japan is better represented outside of Japan or to then bring them back into japan into into leadership roles where where they can probably you know properly you know bridge the gap sometimes between what the region wants uh,
1: and and what japan needs and how are you finding the the balance between um local and you know, multinational companies, certainly when we look at you know, other parts of the world, India, China, Brazil, uh, we see a you know, growing shift of elite caliber HR talent moving to local companies. Is this the case in Japan or not?
0: It's not as pronounced in Japan as we see elsewhere. And I think that possibly also because of the, the status of the Japanese multinationals. You know, a, lot of, a lot of them are in bad shape. If I look to one other country where Japan has similarities to, it's probably Korea. Um, you know, Korea has a similar closed culture historically. Um, It has a very, you know, unique history. And, you know, the language barrier has meant that, you know, Korea has has to some extent been set aside, just like Japan has. But if you look at the multinationals in Korea, look at the LGs, the Samsungs, and, you know, there's actually quite a few others. um, They've been a little bit more successful in spotting that they needed to internationalize more. You look at the Japanese um, companies, you know, the the Sonys, um, the Panasonics, Hitachis they've been successful to some extent, but actually they still think in that Japan mindset and create products specifically for the Japan market and then, as a sort of second thought, they think about the world outside now that has been successful for them in the past, but actually we're seeing that they've missed the um, missed the trend that you know LG um, for example in Korea has where they made you know you know slightly cheaper products for. In, you know the international markets, particularly emerging markets in China and India. So Japan multinationals are slightly on the back foot compared to um, others. And I've used Korea as an example to compare them with, but it could be any other country. With some not- notable, you know, noticeable exceptions. You know, there are some Japanese companies that are trying to um, to be the vanguard in that area, but it's not as pronounced in Japan as in other 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 markets in Asia.
1: And I guess a lot of Japanese HR leaders, and indeed. CHROs who are hiring talent into Japan are wondering, you know, what's happening with salaries at the moment. Give us a sense of of, of whether costs are rising or not.
0: Well, actually, historically, Japan has always been um, a very expensive market for salaries. And you know, anyone who's covered Japan in the past would have felt that pain. Um, but it's always worth it, I think. Japan is that high risk, high reward market where you know you have to swallow the costs of employment. And of course, you know, the employment laws being so employee, sorry, employee, yes, employee centric. What we're seeing nowadays is because um, the Japanese yen has um, gone down versus the US dollar, salaries themselves are not sort of going up or down hugely. But because of the, the currency leverage, we actually are seeing, for multinationals at least, employment costs go down. So um, the salary is still large um, when you look at it from a, you know, a like-for-like like comparison, but the costs of the payroll are actually decreasing. What we're also seeing is, you know, as the so-called low-cost areas of China and India are becoming anything but, you know, they their salaries are, are really, you know, going gangbusters, and people expect very large salary increases. In Japan, it's not quite as um, cutthroat, and I think, you know, for it's still very expensive and people do want high increments when they leave. But in general, people are not quite as, um, you know, money motivated and they'll look for smaller salary increases when they go from one
1: role to another. So we're looking at normal sort of 5 to 10% increases. Thanks, Oscar. And that was Oscar Fuchs, director for Japan.
0: For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, follow our podcast series or check us out at ChapmanCG.com.